I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Spectres, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I've got my good buddy, and 7 the Legend here with me for today's episode about none other than the Crown Prince of Crime. <laughs> yeah, he's he's an ornery one, definitely. Yeah, yeah. so um, we're talking, we're, we're moving from Mass Effect to the Batman universe. We're talking about the Joker today. You want to know how he got these scars? Yeah, this is a weird turn. I mean, sometimes we do, we do our Bane impressions, Batman. But um, to do an oh. entire episode about Joker... I don't have a cup around me. I can't do my Bane impression. You have so well. to use your hands, Batman. Put them in front of your face. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Batman. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. we go. So, uh, so yeah, okay. This is Joker from Batman episode. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're... we're so, we were talking about... Um, we were talking about uh, the Normandy last episode. And so I thought it was only kind of a natural progression that we would, you know, since we're alternating between, you know, uh, character and topics, that we would go right from the Normandy back to its pilot, Joker. Uh, so oh, we're that about, Joker. Okay. Yeah, that Joker, the yeah. ace pilot. I didn't, um, I didn't think the Batman Joker made a good, like... I, I, how would you even get along with him on the ship? Like that just sounds terrible. I, I, I feel like he'd be quite antagonistic. Uh, but I, I guess he and uh, the Normandy's Joker do have that in common because uh, the Normandy's Joker is, you know, as we all know, just as likely to crack wise remarks as he is to crack a bone. So there you go. That's pretty in common. Somebody yeah. else's usually the Batman joke is like somebody else's bone. Joker, Joker, it's like his own bones. Right, he's cracking his own bones yeah, and jokes. Yeah, yeah, we got yeah. that. So, uh, all right, well, I guess we can talk about Joker from the Normandy. That's yeah. So when you when you met Joker for the first time, and you know, Oof. I'm sure that you immediately recognized Seth Green's voice. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, these games came out in the late 2000s. Uh, I don't know, five years previously, I was wrapping up watching Buffy. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, dude, Buffy yeah. was a good show for its time. People were like, you watch Buffy? And I was like, they, they thought it was like, you know, candy television. And I was like, no, the show talks about like deep philosophical issues. It just happens to use monsters as the set piece uh, and teen drama. But and who could forget the yeah. uh, the <laughs> the Oscar winning piece of film without a paddle? <laughs> Do you remember that one? Jeez, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, get, man, we this is going to be a this is going to be a show where we talk about all sorts of things. All right, coming back on the course here, the voice actor, Seth, Seth Green. Yeah. So, when I you know first met Joker, I was like, oh no way, it's that guy. Because yeah. at this point, 2007, I was you know 14 years old. And I, I didn't really know him by name, but I knew, hey, it's that guy. I think at that time I, I immediately thought it's Robot Chicken Guy. So I <laughs> okay. knew to expect a lot of funny things from him. Um, yeah, you don't cast somebody like him as the voice actor without having a certain kind of personality attached. Yeah, Dead Serious is not his game. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, you know, as I grew to know him throughout the games, I was like, 
there is a lot more depth here than just the comedic relief. And we're going to get into some of that. Yeah. Cloudy mentions in chat, Scott Evil. That was my other thought, too, is like, I, I'm wondering how many people recognize him from the Austin Powers stuff uh, when they first. Yeah, he actually makes um, a, the spy who shagged me reference in one of the Mass Effect <laughs> That's games. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So. All right. So where do we start out? With this. Yeah, so as long as as long as you played the original trilogy at all, you're familiar with him. Um, but unless you spoke at length with him uh, before or read some of the external media pieces, it's easy to miss some details about his upbringing and his background. Oh, yeah, it makes sense because he's not like a regular companion like the other ones. He's the pilot of the ship, right? He works differently. So let's get into that. Okay, so did the did the writers give him a backstory like they did for Anderson and Hackett? Yeah, in fact, it's it's pretty similar to the background for a spacer Shepard. Um, Joker's mom was an Alliance contractor, so he grew up on Arcturus Station, and that is the giant space space station that serves as the Capitol building for the Alliance Parliament and military headquarters. So right away, we know that Joker has been around service members from a very young age, and he was likely shaped by that culture. Um, and I, I think I've mentioned it. I used to work on a military base before. Right. Um, and I can tell you from my own experience that those who grow up around, it seems uh, around that it seemed to be much more likely to later join the armed forces. Yes. So I, I think it's, uh, I can speculate about this a little bit. It's like asking any 10 year old what they want to do when they grow up. A, a large percentage of them will take, will say teachers, but it's because that's what they've been exposed to. That's those, that's like very small list of jobs that they've seen adults do. So if you grow up on a military base from a very early age, that's an option. You're thinking, oh, I could I could be in the military. And so you legitimately consider it, whereas the average population probably doesn't see that as often as a job opportunity as a child. Yeah, exactly. And there are a lot of jobs that we don't expose kids to because of the dangers like you wouldn't you yeah. probably rarely hear kids say like, I want to be like an like an Arctic fisherman. Right. <laughs> it's usually something their parents do, something somebody close to their parents they know does teacher and then whatever they're close in their environment around um, because, you know, limited information. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it's no surprise to me that Joker eventually enlists in the Alliance when he's old enough. And that is where he gets his nickname, Joker. Um, because while he's in flight school, an instructor makes a comment to tell him to smile more. To smile more. Has anyone ever told you that? To smile more? Yeah, usually, like, um, I don't know, men in their 50s or 60s who think I'm cute, who are trying to flirt with me a little bit. And man, does that piss me off. It does. It's like, and <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is like the plight of every woman ever, right? Like, you know, you're much prettier when you smile. It's like, shut up. Like any, you know, any, any men out there listening to this episode, please never say that to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get on a soapbox about not saying that to people. And, and it does happen to a lot of women. I've heard a lot of, a lot of women complain about that. Yeah. But that's funny um, that like somebody said that to him, right? Someone said it to him and someone has said that to me before at yeah. work. Yeah. At work. Older people to younger men. Like it's, it's, it's a dominance thing. It really is. It feels, yeah, it feels like a veiled power play. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know what? Yeah. Just don't tell people to do that because they don't owe you a smile. And sometimes people don't smile very much because of what they're going through or what they have gone through. Or maybe you're the reason that they're not smiling right now. <laughs> 
right? the irony is palpable with some people yeah. Um, yeah. that they don't see it. And uh, at least for Joker, this is definitely the case about having gone through a lot of a lot of tough things. Um, so because Joker was, of course, born with Rolex syndrome. Yeah. So let's let's get into that a little bit. And um, and even how that affects his career. How does that work? Well, it's brutal bone disease, um, and it's actually a real condition that some people are born with. Uh, it's rare, but although the name would have you think that there's something wrong with his bones, I did a little bit of light research and found that it's really more about the connective tissue around his skeleton not having enough collagen, mm. uh, which results in Joker's bones, Joker's bones breaking easily. Say that five times fast. Joker's bones breaking easily five times fast. <laughs> And one in 15,000 people to 20,000 people are apparently born with this condition. Wow. So that's, that's kind of common in a way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not like incredibly rare. Right. So like you might actually know somebody who has this. Right. Right. So quick maths would mean that there's at least a hundred thousand people in the world with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you um, live in a city of a million people, there's a sizable population that actually suffers this. Yeah. Um, And as for how that affects Joker's career, I think Joker would probably be the first to tell you that he doesn't let it affect his career. I mean, he, you know, it's a very much tone from him. Like, don't ask me about it. Mm. It's not going to affect me, but it definitely shapes his psyche. Um, He's motivated to constantly prove he's the best one for the job. And he comes across with a little bit of his chip on his shoulder and arrogant at times because of that. Um, and before people come down hard on me, I want to say, damn, he really is the best at his job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I can see how this would drive him to make nobody want for nobody to question his ability. Right. Because, okay. Yeah. I can't be on a battlefield with a, you know, with a rifle, but I can sure as hell pilot the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he pilots that ship. Um, (laughs) and, and given the amount of discrimination he probably faced in, in military service, or at the very least people making fun of him, Mm -hmm. if I were him, I'd probably feel like I had something to prove to, you know, anyone would. Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Um, so the chip on his shoulder is understandable. Definitely. Um, and he shines in flight school. Uh, he graduates the top of his class, as he tells us. Uh, and he he says later when he graduates, uh, one guess who was smiling at graduation, you know, because he probably had a hard time in school and then his instructor gave him the nickname Joker and it stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and you know what? I don't know about you, but like if I were in a position like Shepard is and then my pilot tells me that story about how he gained the nickname Joker, I would be very inclined not to call him Joker. Yeah, it seems like, well, there's there's two ways to look at it. One, that that would bring up past issues that would seem like difficult for him. Um, but two, our screen's moving our heads around. Uh, we swapped for some reason on the Zoom call. Um, but two, sometimes there's the thing where you take the thing that was used harmful and you own it for yourself. And so it basically disarms it. Um an example of this would be the black community with the N-word. They've taken something that was harmful and powerful, and now they've co-opted it so that it no longer can be used against them. Does that make sense? I'm going to make a much nerdier reference and okay. say it's like in Game of Thrones uh, with <laughs> Tyrion when he says, uh, I'm the imp. Right. So right. He's claiming it for himself, which means now you can't make fun of me. Right. And, and um, he actually has a quote about that. 
saying something, he tells Jon Snow something along the lines of when you wear your faults or insecurities like armor, no one can ever use them to hurt you. Right. Right. So, yeah, um, there is a piece of, of wisdom in that. And maybe that's why Joker says that, um, you know, and considering how quickly Joker brings this up to Shepard, it's like one of the first conversations in Mass Effect that you can have with him. We can guess that it's central to his written identity in the series. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, so you mentioned discrimination. Was he ever denied opportunities that we know of in the Alliance because of the disease? Yeah, he was. He, he was originally told that he could not be Normandy's pilot. And the reason he is uh, Normandy's pilot is because a Turian stuck up for him. Oh, okay. I, you know, I haven't heard this story. Uh, so he does. He doesn't tell us this. This is from one of the pieces of external media, uh, a short piece called He Who Laughs Best. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is how the Normandy got its pilot. It's truly a uh, love story for the ages. Joker ex Normandy. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, the, the, the Normandy was right out of production and ready for its first test flight at Arcturus Station in 2183. And Joker applied to be the pilot. Uh, so he was denied with Alliance Brass, citing limits of his physical abilities from the disease, which is pretty messed up. Um, but if you look at it from a political point of view, of course, it's realistic because yeah. admirals and politicians wouldn't want their to let their 120 billion credit masterpiece be handled by who by someone who they perceive to be anyone except the most capable. So it's still incredibly ableist and discriminatory. Um, especially considering that the job doesn't require physical labor. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I, oftentimes in these situations, the people making these decisions don't take that kind of stuff into consideration. You know, they're just going, well, we're going to put a lot of money into this. We need to, we need to pick a safer option. And it's like, right. It's, that's not a dangerous option because of, he's not going to be doing that. Well, it's still, you know, we still got to take that into consideration. It's <laughs> the optics. Yeah. It's the optics of it's, it. There's a lot. All, there are, yeah politicians are only concerned concerned with the optics um and not only do they deny his application but he's tasked with escorting a visiting turian general invectus uh that is the name of the turian general and uh, of course invectus very close to invictus and infect us and infect us <laughs> joker, like joker is joker is told uh, has to be told at some point in his background that his condition like people were afraid his condition was contagious because he makes that he, he makes that comment to shepherd mm -hmm. uh don't worry i'm not going to infect the crew or anything um but <laughs> I, I say that that apt naming about invectus because for those who don't know Invictus is a, was a poem written by William Ernest Hindley, and it is the origin of the very famous lines, I am the captain of my fate, I am the master of my soul. Hmm. So it's all about self-empowerment and charging onward even when life has brought you down time and time again. And I found this to be incredibly uh, fitting for Joker's story. You yeah, know, that, uh, uh, totally, that totally resonates, like it matches. Yeah. Um, so long story short about how Joker becomes the captain of the, or the pilot rather of the Normandy Joker remarks that it should have been him when he's escorting this Turian general, he remarks, you know, it should have been me there, uh, because I'm a much better pilot. And Invectus tells Joker, well, they would never allow someone with his disease in that position. 
Ah, so it was, it was a, well, don't tell me never kind of exactly. Moment. Yeah. Wrong thing to say to Joker. Yeah. Uh, he, he speaks, he sneaks on the Normandy and uh, locks up the selected pilot who is weirdly named Crooks. Uh-huh. The selected okay. pilot is. Right. Um, and Joker hijacks the ship. Uh, Anderson and some other top Alliance brass are there ready to observe the test run and they see the ship getting stolen and they think it's an enemy force. <laughs> yeah, right? Like your own people, you wouldn't expect to steal your own ship. Right. Bleeding Age technology, 120 billion yeah. credits, yeah. Uh, joint venture with the Turians and all of a sudden someone steals the ship. Yeah, you're going to think it's an enemy force. You're going to assume the worst, absolutely. Until, until they learn it's joker joker identifies himself and tries to talk talk them down uh, or i'm sorry they try to talk joker down but joker doesn't listen and they order the fighters to disable and if necessary completely scrap the engines of the normandy jeez yeah joker evades the fighters does an amazing job at that mm-hmm. <laughs> finishes the test run which I find to be a little bit of like a sarcastic <laughs> right? little it's a little icing on the cake. Not only did I avoid all your fighters, but I'm going to finish the test run for you. Right, I'm just going to do the test run, and <laughs> then and then he redocks the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so now yeah. that he is a is, ballsy thing to do, by the way. Like he absolutely could have gotten like I don't know all sorts of terrible things. Oh yeah, and Could they threaten him with that. Yeah, he re- he redocks it. He gets off the ship, and and then he's arrested, and he's threatened with court martialing, yeah. and probably for good reason. Um, but Invectus sticks up for him and demands that he be its pilot. Right. Like I'm so impressed. Like I need somebody who can do this under my command. Yeah. And that risks a political situation because we know a lot already that the Alliance cared very greatly about its joint venture with the Turians. And in the wake of the first contact war, this was something of a political good faith gesture. Mm. Uh, So it is kind of a big deal if a Turian general says, you need to let this guy be its pilot. And instead, if you don't do that, you're you're threatening him with jail and court martialing him. That's going to fracture relations with the Turians, which I imagine top alliance brass did not want to do right right Jeez, i mean that's a that was a risky move though yes kind of a genius move though on joker's part although i don't think that he was thinking about the consequences i think he was just like you know what screw this i was you know i was born to do this this is i love this ship i'm gonna fly it even if it's the only chance i ever get right yeah yeah probably and had had he taken damage from the fighters the would have completely ruined his chances like had he not performed as well or gone up against other pilots that were better (laughs) in their fighter craft you know like yeah he he had to have known i mean like talk about faith in your own abilities right yeah um yeah joker tells anderson anderson's like well what the hell did you do that for basically and and joker tells anderson look i was in love with this ship i'm in love with the normandy and i was born to fly it and the rest is kind of history. They Anderson is like Anderson gives him this stereotypical, well, you're a loose cannon, but you get results, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Um, and then they make him the pilot of the Normandy. And Anderson basically is like, you know, yeah, you're, you're a damn good pilot mm-hmm. and I'll have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that gives us a little bit of insight, I think, into the, you remember the very beginning of Mass Effect when Anderson calls for a status report on the ship and 
uh, Joker gives it to him, uh, just drift just under 1500k, you know, and then Nihilus is like 1500k, your captain will be pleased. And then Caden says to Joker after a couple of lines, uh, well, you know, Anderson's only pissed off when he's talking to you, Joker. This is probably because this is during Normandy's shakedown run, which is only happening maybe months or weeks or maybe even days after it was just stolen by Joker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a lot of time that passes at all. Right. There's still a little bit of animosity and uh, a limited amount of trust. Yeah. 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 Um, So Joker is known as the dude who just stole the ship, but he's here because he's an amazing pilot. Right. Right. So we'll give him a shot. Not a lot. Not a great way to win a lot of friends. No. Um, No. You ever been in a scenario where you were there because of your ability, but like people resented you for it? If I was, I I wasn't aware. I mean, I, I tend to not to ruffle feathers too much. Um, it was one of those. We've talked a little bit about our personalities. You know, one of those things I learned early on to try not to be cocky about things and get in, you know, in the way of other people liking me. Yeah, <laughs> I've, tried, I, I've had to learn to do better at that. You know, the most relatable thing I can think of is I've gotten into some classes, um, not because I worked hard, but because I, I scored well on the tests. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I learned in school that, uh, if you're a good test taker, but you don't do much of the homework and you don't, you don't like yeah. care to be there, yeah. you're not going to make a lot of friends among teachers. Oh, absolutely. I, I, so there was a situation, I think I was a senior in high school, maybe a junior, and I was in an advanced English class and they were pairing us up for some sort of project. And the two top students in the class, these two girls, sat near me, and they were like, they were like oh, let's pair up, and we, but we need a third. And I was sitting behind them, and I'm like, I'll join you guys. And they were like, you? <laughs> it was like one of those, like, really? And I was like, no, I'll, I'll join you. It'll be fine. Like, you're going to pull your weight? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll pull my weight, because they knew I was the type of person who just didn't want to do homework and that kind of thing. But I tested really well. And turns out that I actually, like, my, my component of the project was the best of the three of ours and got the highest score. And they kind of had to, I don't know, admit that it was probably a good thing they chose me to pair up with, even though they doubted me, that kind of thing. So that, yes, that did happen. Yeah. So, so yeah, if anyone can relate to that, that's kind of uh, what I imagine to be the environment that Joker was in at the very beginning of Mass Effect 1. And it also makes sense why jo- why the, the relationship between Shepard and Joker right from the get-go, it's not like, hey, buddy. It's mm-hmm. not it's not super friendly. Yeah. It's like, you know, very professional. And then you can snap at him for making a joke if you want. Uh, <laughs> right. But, right. So yeah. It, but it, it warms up over time and he obviously, you know, proves himself on multiple occasions. It does. So. And so, yeah. So this is another piece of external media. He who laughs best that helps us understand why these characters act the way they do. In this case, why Joker would react so defensively whenever asked about Vrolik syndrome. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, tell you what, we're going to take a break. We got to thank our patrons. And um, what are we going to cover when we get back? So when we get back, we're going to be talking about uh, Joker's mentality, and we're going to talk about why he decided to work for Cerberus, mm. you know, out of the blue in Mass Effect 2. Yeah. All right. Well, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. That was Joker. We just heard Joker. What a coincidence. Um... All right, welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons. And according to my list, we're up to date. I believed we thanked Sadie Cakes last time. So uh, we've got two new patrons after that. We have Robert R. and Rain. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for being here. And that means that we're up to 58 patrons. Holy crap. We're getting close to that 60, that 60 number. Maybe that 60 number is you. Um, if you'd like to join us, and if this is one of your favorite shows, and you want to make sure we can keep doing it, then heading over to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast is a great way to do so. There's lots of things you get, like ad-free episodes, episodes early, t-shirts, getting to join us on future episodes of the show, all that kind of stuff. And we especially have to thank our Tier 5 Shepherd patrons, Kolkashins, Captain Shanko, Kira, Lieutenant Tassina, to see no, I always want to say it's A, but it's a no at the end. Uh, Pipe Man, Rain Now, and Big Bills. Thank you so much to all of you guys. You guys are amazing. All 58 of you, our tier fives and everybody else. Thank you so, so very, very much. We really appreciate it. Um, anything else we want to say in the middle? We're going to save our reviews for the second episode this week, so we'll be covering those in the future. Well, I'm I'm just baffled that I was taking, you know, taking stock uh, recently and 58, 58 yeah. patrons. Wow. That's yeah. insane. And we've, we've been at this for about a year and three months. Um, yeah, that's more than a patron a week. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to have some we're going to have a full house when it comes to patron chats. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Those are yeah. always fun. So. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody. All right, and also remember, if you haven't joined us on the Discord, come join us on the Discord. We'll be chatting up stuff in there, and we'd love to see you guys join us. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, so back to Joker. Um, we now have talked about how the Normandy got its pilot, but if he grew up around the Alliance and had a sense of loyalty to them... Why did he work for Cerberus? You know, they're the ones who made the Normandy SR2. 
I mean, I get, I get like the love of the ship thing, but was mm-hmm. is that what, what did it? Like, how did this work? Yeah, in short, because he really loves ships <laughs> and uh, and Shepard. More importantly, Shepard. Um, let's not forget that it's because of Shepard that Joker is even alive. Uh, at the beginning of Mass Effect 2, Shepard uh, Shepherd tells Joker when the original Normandy is going down from the collector attack mm-hmm. that going down with the ship is not going to change anything. And we see a large amount of stubbornness and the pride uh, from Joker and how much he really loves that ship there. Yeah. Um, And Joker's like, no, I'm not going to abandon it. I'm not going to leave her, you know. Uh, And we also see in a rare instance, Shepard breaks through, uh, breaks through Joker's rough, sarcastic exterior and the the prideful exterior to get him to be more of a realist. And, And but Shepard saves Joker and Joker is, in fact, the last person to see the original Shepard alive. Mm-hmm. So right there, there's this bond that's formed. I think uh, Joker is the only person, in fact, to witness Shepard's death happen right there in front of him. Yeah, I can imagine there's a whole like if it wasn't like he gave his life for me, kind of, or they gave he she, depending on what Shepard you're playing, they gave their life for me, kind of moment. Yeah, um, and. It's, um, yeah. And, and, you know, we, we know that Joker harbors a lot of guilt about that, uh, for Shepard's death. So we know from a conversation with him in Mass Effect three, that Joker blames himself for not leaving that cockpit sooner, uh, which would have allowed Shepard to get in the pod and escape with him. But, um, seriously, if, if, if I don't blame Joker for thinking this way, because if Joker had just gotten up a few seconds sooner, then Shep- or, if, or if Joker was already waiting in the escape pod by the time Shepard got there, they could have escaped and Shepard would have never died. Yeah. 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 It's I mean, it's a trait of people to want to, you know, who care when you care about something like this. You can't help but think, like, did I do something wrong? Is this my fault? This was the one time that Joker couldn't evade an attack. <laughs> the one time. Uh-huh. Seriously. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that makes sense. So it, it probably got it got to him. You know, it was a probably a prideful thing too. Like all of a sudden, if I was a better pilot, ship, if I was a better pilot, I got to save this all. Yeah, right. And he's and he's already told everyone he's the best damn pilot. Right at this point. Yeah, but sometimes um, it, it doesn't come down to your ability. Sometimes you just can't. It doesn't matter what you do. So yeah, I, I think that I think that Shepard's revival. When when Joker was told, you know, hey, Shepard's back, uh, that is the real reason that Joker decided to cooperate with Cerberus. First, I think Joker was like, I got to see this to know it's true. And then second, when when Joker saw Shepard's body there on the table, I'm imagining they, they brought Joker back. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Joker must have been like, OK, yeah, you're bringing Shepard back if it's really Shepard. I'll, I'll work with you. Uh, and it's evidence, I think, that there's a lot more going on under the surface of Joker's sarcasm than is clearly visible. Oh, yeah. Usually sarcasm is a mask of lots of things. Mm. And, and oftentimes it's a mask of insecurity. Yeah. It's, yeah. Or uh, deep feelings or things you don't want to share with other people. Like, absolutely. Yeah. It's a form of verbal aggression, honestly. Um, it's passive aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, in most instances. Uh, but I, I think Joker feels deeply, even though he deflects a lot, 
he feels these things really deep inside and he uses sarcasm to avoid or diffuse the harsh reality of some situations. He is the comedic relief uh, perpetually mm-hmm. of the Normandy. But just like in real life, we know that sometimes the people who make the most jokes are bearing the largest burdens. Yeah, that's absolutely. Uh, there's a reason why c- comedians go that route is because they've used it as a way to compensate for all the things they are genuinely feeling. So um, it's it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you, I mean, do you have any other reasons for for saying this? Yeah, well, there's this, specifically, there's this very decorum-breaking moment in Mass Effect 3 where things get real right after Thessia. Uh, And if you'll remember, in Mass Effect 3, Thessia, Shepard, and crew land on the Asari homeworld to try and find out what this catalyst is so they can use the Crucible. And while they're there, uh, no one other than Kai Lang shows up, thwarts their plans, and basically steals the information for the catalyst and then makes off with it and says, nah, nah, boo, boo. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. So mission, mission apparently failed at that point. Yes. Um, and it, it kind of looks like the entire galaxy might be doomed, uh, all because of Cerberus again. Right. Um, and it, there's like little that Shepard can do in that cutscene. So mm-hmm. all hope is apparently lost. And then they board the Normandy back and he has to, and Shepard has to relay this to his superiors or her superiors, uh, Admiral Hackett and Admiral Anderson. And first thing Shepard's back on the ship and Joker makes a wise crack, a poorly timed wise crack at that saying, maybe the Asari would have fared better if they had more commandos and less dancers. (laughs) And Shepard snaps, um, and basically says, you know, read the room. Yeah. Like, really? Like, I almost died down there yet again. And, um, you know, the galaxy might be forsaken and you're making jokes. And Joker reminds the commander that he's quite aware of how bad things are because the Reapers hit the colony where his dad and sister live, mm-hmm. Tiptree, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. So he's like, yeah, Shepard, I'm, I'm well aware that there's a war going on. Right. This doesn't mean that I don't know what's going on or that I don't feel it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not just some aloof asshole, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I, I feel things too. I'm just trying to lighten the mood and why would he lighten the mood? Well, Edie tells Joker that Shepard's armor has been registering higher stress levels than they ever experienced during any of the chosen psych profile missions. And here's it like custom tailors it to your Shepard. So, you know, higher stress levels than than Shepard witnessed during a coup's when their whole uh, squad was eaten by a thresher mall or on Elysium when they had to battle like 10,000 Batarians against one Shepard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's th- this breaks the fourth wall in that it gives the player a pretty good perspective of how much pressure and angst and stress and sadness is really coming down hard on Shepard. Um, and I think for me, it did anyway, you know, I was like, Oh shit, you know, like Shepard is not impervious. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's feeling it. Yeah. And, um, Joker reveals right after that, that Anderson in the last time they had a meeting has been worried about Shepard's mental health and Anderson told Joker to look out for them. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And this type of, you know, this kind of humor is a way of, um, 
diffusing some of your own anxiety as well. So oftentimes people, people like Joker will, they're doing it as much for themselves as they are for the other people in the room. Sometimes more so. That's why they need the reminder of like, this isn't helping other people. <laughs> Stop doing that. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes it does help people. It's all about kind yeah. of reading the room right. and, right. and it can be used. I think it comes from a place of empathy. Um, I think it does. It doesn't always come across like that, but right. Right. all that being said, I'm also imagining when Joker was told that Shepard is alive again, he had to see for himself and the Normandy being revived is just this bonus. Um, but Joker having that sarcastic, you know, nothing gets to me kind of attitude. He's not going to just admit that to Shepard. Mm-hmm. So he makes it about the ship because, you know, Shepard's like, you're here. And they're like, well, and Joker's like, I, I had to see the Normandy. It's kind of like a bro hug where you like really do want to hug your friend, but then you got to slap him on the back real hard to make it feel like it's also fighting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a little violent. I'm going to preserve my masculinity. <laughs> right. um, yeah, man. <laughs> speaking speaking of the ship, I also think that the prospect of being around, being able to fly another Normandy was an attractive prospect to Joker because what else is the Alliance having him do? <laughs> oh, dude, it's like a total letdown. Um, it's like uh, like I used to tour in bands and I've played gigs on, you know, large stages in front of like 1500 people. And then people are like, are you going to go play music again? And I'm like on a like a little bit of bar in front of 30 people. Uh, it's just it's hard it's hard to go back yeah so i can imagine like he he was the pilot of the freaking normandy you're gonna just go get on some other ship what's the fun in that twice the size of the drive core than anything else and you know this thing this thing drives like a grocery cart compared to (laughs) the ship i was on exactly he's going back to flying a regular run-of-the-mill frigate like no i don't think so you know he's been he's already been a race car driver uh for long enough he's not going to be cool with pushing a toyota camry now yeah oh god (laughs) yeah i can imagine that (laughs) all right so what else do we know about joker that the average player may not have noticed Uh, Well, first of all, I've seen some speculation on forums and whatnot that that Joker is playing up how bad his disease really is. Um, And I want to address this because this is something that disabled people have to deal with in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, I get migraines. I I don't get them as bad as you do. But I'm guessing that some people have have basically been like, are your migraines really that bad? Oh, I mean, it's always a fear because you don't you can't fully empathize with somebody who's suffering something. So you think to yourself, oh, well, maybe you're just using this to get out of the thing that you don't want to do, because that would be so easy to just tell somebody that because they don't know how bad your head hurts or whatever. And it's, you know, truth be told, there are times where you want to do that, but like you don't <laughs> because yeah. the times where you're actually suffering it are so numerous that it's just yeah it's yeah it's a ridiculous thing i'm sure there are some people who do that but most of the time i think most of the people don't and so to to leverage that kind of perspective on somebody is it's just it's terrible it's yeah and don't yeah here's another thing don't say to disabled people in real life uh do not accuse them of playing up how bad their disability really is because you will expose yourself as the largest asshole in the room if anything they're often downplaying how disabling their disability is because they don't want to be treated any different right right like there are many times where i'm suffering a migraine or a headache and i just don't mention it to people and i suffer through it because they don't need to know 
I don't right. want them and to treat me differently. It's annoying having to go through the questions and the song and dance every yeah. time. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't want this. I don't want your sorrow. Like that's not going to help me feel any better. Let's just right. do the thing that we need to do. Yeah. Right. I'm a normal person. I'm just going through this thing right now. Right. Um, right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, um, so I've seen people on forums and whatnot accuse Joker of playing up how bad the disease is. And they cite these things, these times in the games where he walks or runs and escapes the collectors, mm-hmm. as well as sometimes he's, you know, holding and firing an assault rifle. And I got to say, I disagree. Um, and I disagree not just because of what we just said, but also there's there's evidence in the games. First of all, those times are extreme emergencies and his life was on the line. Right. So what do you need to just not run? Yeah. Right. right. That's like, <laughs> that's like, yeah, uh, that's like calling off of work because you had a migraine, but then you get a family emergency, like something horrible happened to your, you know, uh, X, Y, or Z. Right. Uh, and then you had to be there right. and your do- your, your boss says, oh, well you went out in public and I thought like, you no, no, I suffered through it in public. Like, yeah, in these kind of, kind of cases, it's like he's taking the risk of running because he knows what will definitely happen if he doesn't. Right. Uh, he even remarks afterward that he's going to be paying for it later with broken bones. So I don't think he was okay after doing those things. Um, and most players haven't chosen this ending, but if you fail or you don't do enough of the squad mates missions and enough people and enough people die in mass effect two, Shepard dies at the end of mass effect two. Mm-hmm. So that final scene with Shepard escaping the collectorship where Shep makes that dramatic jump back onto the Normandy and they're hanging there and they need, they need a hand up. Well, if everyone's dead, only Joker is there to lay suppressive fire and help Shepard up. And Joker's not strong enough to pull them up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he isn't exaggerating how weak his disability leaves him. Um, to say he is, is to, is to insinuate that that he would willingly let Shepard die, right. which is ludicrous. Right. Oh, I just can't. I just can't pull you up. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's ridiculous and again insulting to disabled people and i'd love to hear from some of our listeners who have a disability or have you know gone through the ringer in in any number of ways uh what they would think you know about people who are saying that 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 joker is is playing things up or or i'd like to hear your perspective on joker entirely yeah Um, i also think the other level of that is like the writers why would the writers write him that way like, right. he's not supposed to be that kind of character. We're supposed to empathize with him. We're supposed to grow to like him. You know, like, why would that would be that would be dumb from a writing perspective <laughs> if we just get meta on it. Right. Yeah. Oh, it turns out that uh, Joker was faking it the whole time. Right. Like, <laughs> what? Really? No, he's he's supposed to be one of the characters that we like and we grow to like him more as the series goes on. Yeah. Um, and so and you asked, you know, what else do we not? What else do we know about Joker that the average player might not have noticed? Mm-hmm. Well, secondly, you remember how I brought up Joker's dad and sister right. on that colony? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, astute players who listen to a lot of background NPC dialogue notice this thing, but we find out what happened to them. And we'll have to get into that for the bonus episode this week. 
Sounds good. Yeah, we'll cover that in the next episode, which if you're here for the live stream will happen in just a few minutes after we finish this episode, we'll launch the next episode uh, because we record these all in bulk. But if you are listening on a podcatcher or something within just a few days, the next episode will be up. Um, This has been a really cool conversation about Joker. Sam, you have anything you want to share before we head out? Yeah, I um so last week I advertised the Twitch anniversary giveaway stream that I did and I just had that. Uh, and I finished my Mass Effect 2 playthrough. Oh, no, okay, cool. Um, nice. Yeah, all at the same time. I, I kind of timed it unintentionally well. Huh. Um and the Twitch anniversary stream, it was also the beginning of the giveaway that I'm doing. If you're interested in find, in scoring some like Mass Effect gear, I'm having a giveaway of either an N7 uh, helmet, the variant, uh, the Andromeda variant brand uh, that's on the Bioware store, or any of the Mass Effect statues, like the little statuettes of the characters mm-hmm. that are on the Bioware store. If you're interested in scoring one of those, come by my stream. You can get a free entry by following me. Um, and then you can get more easy peasy by doing other, yeah. other things. Um, but, um, but yeah, come by my stream, give me a follow. But if, if you're going to do that, um, maybe wait until I'm streaming because that makes it easier for me to log that data. Uh, and that is going on until June 18th. Plus uh, you'll get a shout out. So yeah, <laughs> plus you'll get a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, come by my stream from now until june 18th when i am streaming uh you can sub or cheer bits or you know uh, or follow and you can get entries to this giveaway maximum of three per person and i'm really happy to give back to the community that has allowed me to reach almost 30 average viewers per stream now that's awesome uh it's insane and, and it's only been a year um so yeah i'm happy to give back uh, but you can find me on twitch at in seven the legend Awesome. I've got some fun stuff coming in this week. Um, Wes Johnson, the voice actor who does Shea Gorath in the Elder Scrolls and many other roles, uh, has decided to join us on Thursday night for the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. We're going to interview him about being Shea Gorath and Hermaeus Mora. And this is all for a charity thing that he's doing. This has been announced all over the Internet. We'll have more information about that and how you can be involved on Thursday. Um, or just check my Twitter. I'll, I'll share stuff about that. Um, but he'll, he'll be joining us. And then so that'll be Elder Scrolls Lorecast this week. You can check that out. And then he and some other voice actors who have done characters in Fallout games will be streaming things on Friday. There's a bunch of stream events that are supporting the, the charity stuff. And I'm going to be interviewing him and a number of other voice actors about their roles and voice acting these characters on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. So uh, and that'll be with uh, Ken from the Chad Vault 76 podcast, um, who is absolutely awesome. He's he's the guy who's helped been helping set a lot of this stuff up. So it's going to be a lot of fun later this week. So tune into that stuff. Um, he is like I've interviewed him before about Fallout stuff. He is an amazing character like you. He's almost as crazy as Shio Gorath is like in person. When he talks about stuff, he'll tell you all sorts of crazy stories and things. So it's super fun to talk to him. So so uh, come join us for that stuff. That's coming on later this week. And then if you don't catch it live, you can always catch the podcasts. And uh, all the other shows are at robotsradio.net. We've got lots of shows. And if you're looking for more stuff, go check that out. That's what we got for this week. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you if you're in chat. We'll see you in just a minute when we launch the second show. And otherwise, we'll see you guys in a few days when the second episode comes out. Stay safe out there. Later, everybody. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Mass Effect Lorecast at gmail.com.